0: Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for those stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories this is AF Fireside. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of AF Fireside. Stoked as always to have you with us. Today's episode, just like the last two that we've posted, is going to be chock full of good information where we'll be reviewing some of the most memorable moments from our series of female-owned and female-operated brands in the AF Network. Today in specific, we'll be talking about the entrepreneurial mindset and what exactly it means to get into the head of a successful entrepreneur. After we hear some memorable moments from our interviews with the five female founders featured in this series, that was a mouthful, I'll be sitting down to talk to Lindsay Mater, who runs Point on all of our brand relationships here at AF, about keys to success and traits she's noticed among some of her favorite entrepreneurs in the AF Network. So this first idea behind the entrepreneurial mindset that we're going to talk about might be an obvious one. It's a thought we've talked a lot lot about in the podcast so far, and that's this idea of fearlessness when it comes to failure, right? Welcoming fear, accepting fear, and accepting fear as a part of the growth process. Now, if you've been listening, you know that I'm a big analogy guy. For some reason, a well-executed comparison really helped me understand somebody else's mindset. So the comparison here is nice and extreme. I talked to Kylie McKinnon, who's one of the founders of Half Days, a really cool uh, female-founded, female-operated brand that is rethinking the way that the ski industry and outdoor apparel industry thinks about outdoor gear. Prior to starting Half Days, Kylie was a professional skier, competing in the Olympics, uh, taking home a bunch of championships, and I asked her if she could kind of compare and contrast the difference between being a professional athlete and being an entrepreneur, her answer was super insightful. And honestly, I was just excited to get to talk to a professional athlete because that's not something that I get to do every day. So here's her answer and here's how she equated the two.
1: Um, Yeah, I would say that there are a lot of similarities when it comes to a professional athlete and an entrepreneur. Um, It's funny. I, I always say that, you know, being an athlete and, training for so many years and finally making it to the Olympics, which is everyone's dream, you know, I always thought that that would be the hardest thing I would ever do in my life. And then I started this company and I'm like, oh my God, is maybe the Olympics wasn't the hardest thing. Maybe starting a company is actually gonna be the hardest thing I've ever done. And there are definitely a lot of things that are similar between the two. Um, when I started doing aerials for the first time, you know, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. Um, we, just to kind of give a little bit of a background, for aerials when you're training in the summer before you do tricks on snow you jump into a pool and that's how you learn all your new skills so that you can make sure that you're ready to do them on snow so you don't get hurt basically um but when i first went to the water ramps my first summer of ever doing aerials um they told me to try a backflip for the first time and they were like yeah the jump will do it for you just like you know, ski down, go off the jump, do the backflip, like super simple. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I can do that. I was a gymnast. I know how to do a backflip. And yeah, it didn't go so well. I went off the jump, went straight up, straight back down and basically landed on my head. Luckily I was in the water, but you know, it's always a learning experience and I'm learning throughout my whole career with aerials and with being an entrepreneur, I'm, you know, there's so many things that you don't know when you're coming into it. And with aerials, I really had no idea much, much about the sport at all. I had never even really seen it in person before. And so when I started doing the sport, I was like, okay, so what do we do? We just go off jumps and you like learn how to do flips and twists. Like that seems kind of difficult, but like maybe something I could do. And I went to go watch them train in like class in New York, which is where I first started. And I watched them go for the first time and my parents were like, oh my God, you're not doing that. Like these people look crazy. Why would you ever want to do that? And I was like, no, no, like I think I could do it. I think I could. And they're like, all right, if this is what you really want to do, then go for it. And they were super supportive. But like I said, you're constantly learning with aerials, you're learning new skills, you're learning how to perfect it. And you're always trying to grow as an athlete. And that's really the same thing with being a person that's starting your own company for the first time, when we started Half Days, I was like, okay, where the heck do we start? How do we begin? What's the first thing I need to do to start developing this product? So it's the same thing with both, you know, you're always learning, you're always growing, and you're always trying to become a better athlete, a better business owner, and really that mindset of just trying to be the best that you can and growing and working as hard as possible to better yourself, really.
0: So in listening back and reliving that moment talking to Kylie, I think about uh, the crippling fear that I would have in that position of hurling down a hill and flipping into a pool or off of a giant jump. And I'm led to go back to thinking about the complete inflexibility my body has when it comes to those kind of physical experiences, which is a perfect segue into the next trait that this series really called into action for me. And that is a necessity to be flexible as a business owner. Pratt Standard is a fan favorite in the AF family for drink mixers and cocktail syrups. And in sitting down to talk to Tori Pratt, who's the founder of the business, she called my attention to a really interesting mindset that she's adapted to as an entrepreneur, and that's approaching your project like it's an experiment. Since Tori is a power player in the world of all things culinary, I thought it would be interesting to ask her what she thought the recipe for a successful entrepreneur is. Here's her answer.
2: I think that the recipe for a successful startup really has to do with treating your business like an experiment. Um, because a lot of people are, are super, um, they're super tied into what their, their singular idea is. Like when I started this business, I thought I was actually going to launch a line of different tonic syrups, but then I asked my customers, what do you actually, what do you want? Um, do you want another flavored tonic next? Or, uh, what are you looking for? And someone said, I want a grenadine. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'll go look into the history of grenadine and make an authentic grenadine. Um, Um, and, uh, a lot of this business has been built on just creating something, testing it, seeing if it works and then iterating and doing it again. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly how you make a good recipe. So you try first, you know, one ingredient and then another ingredient and then a different process. And then you try different temperatures and you make it all work. Um, but you just keep iterating over and over again. And the biggest key to it is, knowing that failure is a good thing, um, as long as you learn from it. So you have to fail. If you're succeeding all the time, then like, it's not possible. You can't possibly be succeeding right. all the time. Um, so it's about accepting and like being, uh, understanding of your failures and then iterating and, and creating new solutions off of that.
0: So talking about flexibility obviously is an important quality to have, not just if you're an entrepreneur, but I think in life as well. And this next thought that we're going to talk about is in a similar note. In a prior series, there was a founder that used this term analysis paralysis that really stuck with me. And I think a lot about my inability to make quick decisions sometimes and how I overthink things. And I think that's a thing that we all kind of share, and especially in the time that we're living in. But when it comes down to being the person that makes the decisions for a small business and essentially makes the decisions that control your livelihood and success, it's really important to grow that muscle that helps you make those decisions effectively and efficiently. When I think about an expert decision maker, I think of Ashley Rouse, who's the founder of Trade Street Jam, another favorite in the AF community, who I think of not just for her awesome jams and spreads, but also for what seems like a presence across all fronts. Whether we're talking about a physical pop-up event, or a digital streaming event, or even on Instagram or on a targeted ad, I feel like I'm seeing Trade Street jam everywhere. Now, in order to have that kind of presence, that takes some tough decisions, because honestly, you can't be everywhere at the same time. Let's listen in to how Ashley makes those decisions to best benefit her business and her bottom line.
3: Um, I think you have to be super organized. You have to prioritize. You know, write a list down of 100 things that you have to do, go through narrow it down to 75 that are, that you really have to do, narrow that down to 45 that are super important. And then narrow it down to the 10 that you can do this week. Like, I mean, you just have to, um, also my husband's really good. He always used to say, I used to say, should I do this? Should I do this for every opportunity? Should I do this one? Should I do this? And he would say, is it a revenue generating opportunity? And I would go, Hmm, no, it's not. And he'd be like, great. You don't have time for it. But that really, really helped because, you know, I wanted to make money and I needed money to grow. And so, you know, that does help if it's not bringing in money or if that's not your goal, you know, if goals, your goals are customers, if your goals are Instagram followers, whatever it is, if it's not directly affecting that goal, then put it to the side. A lot of things you have to do when you're an entrepreneur is just do shit when it feels right. Like... And I literally, when you feel it in your soul, when your heart tells you something, like you have to go off of that because you don't have a lot of the answers as a business owner.
0: So here's the reality. We've talked about getting into that mindset of fearlessness. We've talked about being flexible. We've talked about being efficient and knowing when to make the right decisions. But ultimately, when it comes to entrepreneurship and starting a business, none of these things matter if you don't have a plan. Having a vision and a business plan that brings it to life is where the rubber meets the road. And when I think about execution, I have to go back to the conversation that I had with Rhonda Coleman from Boston Harbor Distillery earlier in the series. Now, if you missed out on that episode, I think you should pause right here and go back and listen to that because Rhonda has an incredible story and I'll leave it at this. She's the queen of beer. You can't argue with it. Over the course of her career, Rhonda has steered the ship for more than a handful of recognizable names in both beer and liquor. She's seen a lot of successes and she's learned from a lot of failures. And in our interview, she was really generous with a lot of valuable knowledge. So if I were a budding entrepreneur, if I had an idea that I'm looking to turn into something, this is the point where I would be taking out my notepad and writing down some of these tangible things that Rhonda talks about being integral to the process of starting your own business.
4: Or right, you really need to find a business idea, you know, passion certainly fuels that. Uh, though, if you need to make money with it, then you need to find that, that business idea and be able to break through. And it's a very crowded marketplace. It's very good time to be a consumer uh, because there's so much choice. But you as, a, as an entrepreneur and a brand builder have to find a pathway to uh, being different. Uh, whether that, you know, we, we talked about either being better or uh, having some innovation or just being cheaper. Um, so, you know, that's the really the first thing and try to find that white space in your marketplace. Um, the other is financing. Um, it, you know, try to have that lined up. A, a lot of these, you know, I've never done business with a VC group. Um, actually that's not true. Boston beer was a little different, but my own, when I started my own stuff. And uh, so I, I can't really speak to that, but oftentimes even angel investors, they will ask you, you know, what have you bootstrapped? They just want to see you feel pain. <laughs> I don't know why, but they do. maybe it's because they, you know, when you have skin in the game, you're going to really work harder at it. Um, sure. so there's a lot of that going on. So you need to really have your financing. Uh, laid out. But, you know, at the end of the day, you really have to believe in yourself and your abilities. And I think that's, you know, you've got core values and and just stick to those. And there's going to, for whatever reason, there's going to be some people that are trying to break you down and uh, just... Believe in yourself and you'll make it through and it will be a really exciting, rewarding experience. You know, there are days when I thought, what the hell have I done? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And I go, well, there's no turning back now. I am in it, you know, I am in it and, um, and I'm gonna win it in that. What does that mean to you? And as long as you can fulfill that need and, you know, the rest of your life happens as a result of something good, that's perfect.
0: Okay, so now that we've talked about the super tangible and the super relatable, I hope you'll bear with me for this last bit here where we're going to go against the current for a little bit. I consider myself super lucky that over the course of the last couple of years, I've gotten to talk to, I don't know, probably 2000 small brand founders and gather some insight into the way that their mind works. One thing that I've found in common with almost everyone that I've spoken to is this all-encompassing nature of the entrepreneurial mindset. People that take that dive to start their own business are often living and breathing their business 24 hours a day, seven days a week. One conversation that I had with the brand founder that sticks out almost above all of the rest of them was the fireside interview I did with Taylor Ivy, who's the founder of the Skinny Dip stores and Ellsworth and Ivy. We had a very raw and honest dialogue around this mindset and the toll that it takes on one's mental health. Uh, Taylor was super honest about her personal experience and steps that she's made to grow into an entrepreneur who values her mental health at the same level as the health of her business. Once again, I would encourage you to go back to listen to this entire episode. It's definitely one of the most memorable for me, but I'm going to want you to take away from this little snippet, the sense of self-awareness and awareness of her business that Taylor has developed through many, many years of figuring it out maybe her experience will help you
5: i knew i wanted to have my own business i just didn't know at the time what it was like i had this belief in an identity belief that being an entrepreneur was it like Mm -hmm. you had to be an entrepreneur to be successful like that was something that i felt like was a little ingrained into my brain as a a child good or bad and Mm -hmm. um so i came into starting this business as 23. Um, and I was passionate about what I was doing, but I was really more passionate about the identity of being an entrepreneur and that served me for a while, but that's not healthy. Um, because you can't like hold yourself to that kind of identity. Like you shouldn't hold, like your identity can't be your business because like these things, like life, these things flow, like your business shuts down. And then what happens when you attach yourself to such, to that identity, um, And so basically, I feel like that is kind of how I started. And over the last eight and a half years, I've just kind of gone through this journey of really working and understanding myself and personal development and mindfulness. And I've just kind of, I've really had to work through removing myself from that identity. And I still struggle with it a lot because like, especially during the pandemic, um, like when it first started, I thought I was gonna go bankrupt. I had, I mean, I had three stores, um, rent out of control and no money coming in. I had all of these employees and I, I mean, I, I came as close as I, I spoke to like bankruptcy lawyers multiple times and, and basically it just, um, I really, I feel like had to grapple with the fact that I would lose, like, what would, what would I be if I lost the identity right. of being an entrepreneur? like. I was so tied to these businesses and who would be left. And I almost had to like mourn it if that makes any yeah. sense. I think I'm on like the other, other side of it now, but I still I still struggle with it. Um, and so I think for me that has been like my priorities and my core values and how I want to live my life have shifted. You know, I started because I felt like being an entrepreneur said something about me and who I was, and mm-hmm. now at this point that is not how i feel about it and so now i feel like i'm trying to shift the business to kind of align a lot more with my values and where i want to go as a person um as like you know a member of a community and um and so that is something i feel like i'm struggling with right now is how do i take a clothing company and a retail store and align it with like my path
0: all right. So, as if that was not enough all encompassing information there, I have brought in someone I consider to be an expert on all things small business. I'm joined by Lindsay Mater. No pressure, right?
6: Wow. <laughs> That's a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, Lindsay Mater, uh, a well-loved team member here at American field you can find her on Instagram at Lindsaybop uh, she is also part of the team behind finally rock leather brand that's one of our favorites uh, in all of our New York markets Lindsay it's thank true. you for joining me
6: thanks for having me Lucas
0: how uh, what so what did you think of of this series
6: I loved it um, like short answer loved it um, I think it's it's really cool to like deep dive into what makes businesses be successful which interestingly enough like they talked about in this you know comprehensive episode a lot of it is like being successful is being okay with failure totally which is like you know something that i think everybody is inherently afraid of because nobody wants to fail but um baking it into your um business plan of some sort, I think was like one of the coolest things I heard, um, Tori Pratt talking about, and you talked about it, which was, you know, in this episode that approaching it as an experiment, cause that puts you in a position to, you know, be okay with failure. Cause that's what experiments are about. Try it. Does it work? No, let's, let's pick up and figure out what makes it better. Um, loved it.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to talk about, um, kind of talk from this perspective with you in particular because I know we both kind of occupy this space where I, I don't I don't really consider myself it would I would not be authentic if I called myself an entrepreneur that's not really right. how that works yeah. right um, yeah. but I've definitely ridden sidecar <laughs> to a lot of entrepreneurs and, totally. and I've definitely learned a lot cl- closer than than others <laughs> for sure you know at least in my personal life so right. I'm curious if there was anything else that stuck out to you kind of from that recap um, that spoke to like your experience. Whether it be with Finally raw or with AF, or just kind of in having conversations with all the brands that you do in your day to day,
6: totally. Um, I think one of the biggest ones was um, decision making. You know, with Ashley at Trade Street, you talked about it in the in this and touched on it. But I think it it's important and kind of ties in with the you know mental health part of everything, which is allowing yourself to really make the decisions of what is important and it's something that i've seen in you know um talking to small businesses at af and also with ryan at finally rot which is you want to say yes to everything right. because everything is a learning experience right like every you do learn from every opportunity but you can't overload yourself and so i think that something I really loved hearing other entrepreneurs talk about was being like, it's okay to one, take care of yourself and two, say no to things. Totally. You know?
0: Yeah, I think that when I, upon listening back to the, the Trade Street conversation where she talks about like, um, is it a revenue driving opportunity? I think like I had an instinct to fight that at first
6: mm-hmm. where I was
0: like, well, that's like, that's not all encompassing. And then the more that I thought about it, the more I try to disprove that, that really is like a great, um, barometer of should I should I do this or should I not do this? Right. I think you make it. Sorry, go ahead.
6: No, like or, you know, what are your three things you're trying to get out of it? Everybody wants to make money. That's the reason that we're that's the reason that we've started a business. Right. And because we're passionate about what we're selling. Sure. But, you know, is it is it money or is it, you know, tapping into a new market, just going and doing a market in a new city that you think, you know, maybe I won't make, you know, the sales I make at home because. You know, I don't know the market yet, but is that an opportunity for you to get more more revenue in the long run, get more return customers? Like, what are those things that make if they check one of these boxes, I'll do the opportunity right? Totally, yeah.
0: So now, now I got to ask, kind of bigger picture, is there anything that you think uh, that we missed in that series? If we're we're trying to make this kind of all-encompassing white page document for someone that you know, is just starting a business for the first time. And this is everything you need to know. What did we miss?
6: Totally. I, um, you know, if you go back and listen to the full episode of, um, with half days, they talk about it, but I think one of the biggest things is asking for help, um, being able to rely on, you know, your partner if it's your you know partner in life you know ryan is a single maker and does everything himself so you know he asks me for help for sometimes and you know is it you know reaching into your community of other brands that you know which is something that i you know biased here but love about the af community is that everybody you know helps each other and you can reach out to someone and say, I need help with this thing, or is this a good opportunity? And like really relying not only on yourself um, and taking help from others and asking for help when you need it.
0: Yeah. That's a really cool thing about uh, just the small business community as a whole that I found so far is that kind of community over competition. And we've
6: said
0: on on these podcasts a thousand times that nobody knows what community means anymore, but I think that that kind of is what it means, right? Where it's like
6: yeah. putting and a higher
0: value on being a resource to one another.
6: Right, and I've never seen um, the kind of community like the small business community, like people that truly like, oh, you know, I, ha- I use this person for this thing. It's never like mine, 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 mine. You know, it's yeah. like what helps me helps you. Mm-hmm. And there is something so beautiful and cool about being a part of ki- being a part of a community that really wants everyone to thrive it doesn't matter if you're both making candles if you're both making belts or heart like it doesn't matter like we want small businesses to succeed and so everybody helps everybody it's totally it's a really special thing
0: yeah I think before before I had kind of joined joined into that movement the small business movement I don't think I really knew anybody like I do now now I probably know like ten, fifteen, twenty people that are just like it seems like their point, their whole purpose in this life is just like pointing directionals, like oh go to that person, go you know you yeah. gotta check out this dude, oh you need a graphic the guy on, on this, the this-
6: on the tarmac yeah. at, the air- at the airport, yeah, like, exactly, telling you and to go. like
0: you can tell that brings such uh, satisfaction and and gratification. That's yeah,
6: and it just makes it makes everyone stronger. It makes the community stronger. So
0: totally rising tide cool well linds any kind of overarching thoughts about the series as a whole
6: yeah i you know i've i've really enjoyed listening to it i'm like happy to be here on it which is super cool but it's been great to listen to i think you know specifically with the the female voices it's you know really heartwarming and um Edifying to hear these strong women, um, one, you know, tell us their story, two, be vulnerable, and three, like, be such badasses. Like, it's it's so exciting to hear the strong female voice talk about, you know, kicking ass and taking names.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, you are definitely in the ranks there. Uh, Anybody who is listening in, uh, maybe has a brand of yourself, if you're looking to get involved in an AF event or project in the future, Lindsay is your gatekeeper. Is, gate, gate, is that a good thing? Gatekeeper? Maybe that's not a great word to use.
6: I don't know. I think it is. I'm keeping a, a gate of is there? But is that, there's
0: like a negative connotation to gatekeeping now, isn't there?
6: I don't know. I'm, your, I'm your girl. I'm your I'm a woman. Your All
0: right, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. I think that when people say gatekeeping, sometimes they mean like, you're like
6: keeping people out. Keeping
0: people out from like a hobby or something. I hear right. it. I hear it a lot in, in
6: the I'm a kind of gatekeeper. Come guy, to me. Okay.
0: Okay. I open gatekeeper. The gates. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, if you're looking for information, where can where can people get a hold of you?
6: Uh you can hit me up at my email. Is that the best? Probably. Yeah. 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 My email. It's um L Mater. M A D E R at shopaf.co.
0: Love it. And you can follow along with Lindsay's personal adventures in uh, singing and getting dressed at bop on Instagram. Uh, Lindsay, <laughs> thanks the for two joining things us. I do
6: well yeah, singing perfect. and getting dressed.
0: Love it. Um, thanks for joining back to work for both of us. Let's um, do it.
6: Thanks, we'll Lindsay. Talking
0: good soon. Thanks. See ya. Liz. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co, and don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com.